It's your turn. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. Okay. I let you sleep. Why don't you let me sleep? Ow. You giving me dirty looks isn't gonna make the light turn sooner, buddy. Yes, I know. I only have 159 more copies to make, so of course I'd like to hear about your aunt's 12-hour abdominal surgery. Yes, ma'am. You're right. You're always right. I'll redo the entire presentation. People are crazy. Oh, sounds like it was a hard day. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Thanks, honey. Well, good morning, New City Church. Grateful to see all of you here today. We're going to finish our Sandpaper People series with a message entitled Commit to Health. And of all the messages, this might be the most important one. So I'm so grateful that you're here today. And I would encourage you to, to take some notes and to lean into the truth from God's word today about how we handle difficult relationships. Before we jump in, let me get a, give a little bit of uh, New City family news, if you will, some things that are happening here that we want you to know about. Uh, the first is we're having a New City date night for married couples on Friday, February 21st. And so Jen and I would love for you to join us and some of our ministry friends, Jeff and Laura Helton, who are coming from Nashville. They're both counselors. They're going to be spending time with us. We're going to be talking about the importance of personality in marriage. Importance of personality. You got some personality in your marriage? Some personality in marriages, how God wired us up and wants us to live in peace and unity with each other. And, and that's, a, that's a work that God has to do. So we're going to be having that conversation. We're going to be placing a really great resource into your hands and a, a, a chance for you to meet other couples at the church as well. So Friday, February 21st, registration is still open via the app. You can go on the website to the events page, or you can go to Connection Point across all of our campuses today and register. It's going to fill up, so please uh, get registered. We'd love to have you Friday the 21st. And then next week, we'll be in between series, uh, but really want you to be here for a message from Pastor Rodney Gray. He's going to be sharing a message entitled, Value in the Valley walking through the valleys of life and how we find God's value in those places. And he's going to be sharing a little bit of his story. So, of course, Pastor Rodney is our campus pastor here at the South Park campus. If you've, if you've gotten to know him, you love him. If you haven't gotten to know him, you're going to love him. Uh, just an only God story through his testimony. He's going to share it next week. Really want to encourage you to make it a priority to be here in worship. Let's pray together and jump into God's word today. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we're so grateful, Father, to be able to rejoice together and to be glad in it. We want to worship you today in spirit and in truth. However we came into the room today, we want to be changed. We want our hearts to be changed by encountering you, Jesus. We want to lift you up, and we pray that you would draw each of us to yourself. As we open up your word, we proclaim, we declare that it is your truth. It's not our truth, it's your truth. And it's eternal. It's, it has the, the words and the power of life. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands firm forever. And so we come again today to your word and we ask that we would be changed because of it. And we pray it for your glory and for the goodness of your gospel. And all God's people said together, 
Amen. Amen. Dr. Henry Cloud is a Christian psychologist. He's written many books. Probably his most well-known work is the book Boundaries, uh, discussing healthy boundaries in all types of relationships. And as we start this final message in the Sandpaper People series, I want to start with an entry from his work, Boundaries, about uh, healthy relationships and the healthy choices that we have to make, the godly choices that we have to make for godly relationships. Dr. Cloud wrote this, the pathway to healthy relationships is through your healthy choices. The pathway to healthy relationships is through your healthy choices. The number one thing about boundaries is you cannot force someone else to establish them for you. You can only establish healthy boundaries for yourself. However, by doing so, you will change each and every one of your relationships. All we can control is all we can control. Let me read that again. All we can control is all we can control. When it comes to people, and I would add especially sandpaper people, we can only control our choices. You have great influence over other people, but you cannot control them. What an important reminder for each of us today as we talk about sandpaper people, how we deal and how we handle with people that can rub us the wrong way, who can irritate us, get under our skin. All we can control is what we can control, which after all is our relational choices. Uh, Such an important principle and a difficult one to remember is this, I cannot control other people. I am ridiculously in charge of my relationship choices. I cannot control other people, but I am ridiculously in charge of my relationship choices. And the key to healthy, godly relationships, not just your difficult ones, every relationship in your life is through your healthy, godly choices. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, let me give a quick recap of where we've been over the last month in this series. Again, Sandpaper People, this series is about coming to God's truth and listening to what God has to say about all of our relationships, especially the difficult ones. And we started a couple weeks by talking about the fact that we all have Sandpaper People in our lives. And we got a big amen across the room and all of our campuses for that. We all have Sandpaper People in our lives. But we also talked about the fact that we all are sandpaper people. Not as many amens on that one, but believe it or not, we can all be sandpaper people to other people. We can rub them the wrong way. We can irritate them. And then thank goodness, uh, thank the Lord and his truth that he uses sandpaper people. The third thing we said, he uses sandpaper people to make us more into his image. When we place difficult relationships into the hands of the master craftsman, remember Jesus, after all, was a carpenter by trade. He knew how to build things and make things with his hands. And now he's building and making us into his image. And one of the ways that he does that is through, believe it or not, difficult, frustrating relationships. When we place them in God's hands, when we abide by God's truth in relationships, even the difficult ones, God can use sandpaper to shape us, to polish us into his image, to smooth out the rough edges that we have. And it's so important that we place those people and those relationships into the hands of the master craftsman, Jesus, and we don't take it onto ourselves or our own feelings or either other people. 
And so we talked about as we come to God's word and we, we, we think about how are we going to handle these difficult relationships, these frustrating relationships with coworkers, with neighbors, with, with, with friends, with people that come in and out of our lives. What are we going to do? What does God say about that? We said there's going to be four life-changing, relationship-changing principles that we're going to discuss in this series. And they're all from God's word. And we started with this one. We're going to accept the person. With your sandpaper person or people in your life, we're going to begin, how do we handle them according to God's word? How do we place them into the hands of Jesus? We're going to start by saying they are a person made in the image of God and that God desperately desires to be in relationship with. We're going to accept the person. doesn't mean that we accept their words. It doesn't mean that we accept their hurtful actions towards us, their frustrations, the way that they, they get on our nerves and all that stuff. doesn't mean we have to accept those things. But we accept the person. We start there. This is a person that, God's love, that, that God loves and is made in their image. And we looked from the scriptures at the story of Zacchaeus. Remember this? From Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. But before any of that, he was a Jew. And he sold out his fellow Jews to take taxes from them for the Roman Empire. So guess how they felt about him? They didn't like him. They called him a sinner. He was an outcast. Nobody wanted to be around him. But when Jesus comes to the city of Jericho and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree, he calls him by name. He doesn't say, hey, sinner, hey, tax collector, all the things and names that people came up with for him. He calls him by name and says, I want to come to your house and I want to have supper with you. I want to listen to your story. I want to share my story with, your, with you. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 19 that repentance came into Zacchaeus' heart and his household. And it was Jesus' acceptance of him as a person seen beyond all of his sins. And there were many. All of the ways that he mistreated people and accepting him as a person, that caused his heart to change. Maybe, just maybe, the sandpaper person in your life, as much as they frustrate you, maybe you are a reflection of Jesus to that person. Maybe you'll be the only Jesus that they encounter in their life. Maybe you'll be, your words and your actions will be, before they even open up a Bible, they're going to read you first. And that should change our perspective on our sandpaper people. We start with accepting the person. But then the second principle that we looked at in the series was that we're going to do what? We're going to forgive the hurt. And we talked about the fact that forgiveness is not contingent on what your sandpaper person does or says. And oftentimes the person that frustrates you, the people that frustrate you, are not going to ask for your forgiveness. Why? They don't realize they've hurt you. They don't realize how much they annoy you and frustrate you. Forgiveness of that person and the hurt that they may have spoken to you or the action that they've taken against you that may have hurt you, forgiveness is not contingent on them asking for it. We looked at the scripture specifically, Matthew chapter 18, a story that Jesus told, a parable about a king who forgives a great debt. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. And, and the, the, the king is owed a debt that this servant could never pay in his whole lifetime and chooses to show mercy on him and forgive him the debt. And then what does that servant do? You remember in Matthew 18? That same servant that was forgiven so much goes to a fellow servant and says, hey, you owe me 20 bucks, pay up. And the servant can't pay. He says, if you'll just wait, if you'll be patient with me, I'll pay you. And the servant says, no, I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna be patient. That story gets all the way back to the king. And what's the king's response? He's infuriated. And he pulls that servant back and he says these words, you were shown great mercy. Could you not show that same mercy to someone else? 
And Jesus says the same will be with each of you. You were shown mercy and forgiveness. Now go and show mercy and forgiveness to other people. Forgiveness is setting someone free and realizing it's me. That when I hold bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness towards someone else, I'm imprisoning myself. And so the gift of forgiveness, the the gift of grace and mercy is not just for that person in the action and the word, but it's also to release my heart, to free up my heart from that bitterness and that resentment, that unforgiveness that's taking up a space in a a space where God's grace and mercy and love longs to flow. We're going to forgive the hurt. Here's the third principle. Last week we talked about we're going to confront the offense. We're going to confront the offense. We're not going to condemn the person, which is oftentimes our move. We condemn the person and we don't ever confront the actual offense, the word or the action. We don't segment that from the rest of the person. So we say to someone, you're a liar. Instead of saying to them, you lied to me. And I wish I could understand why. Instead of saying to someone, I I think I've been cheated here. We say, you're a cheater. And we put the whole person in that category and we condemn the person. We learned last week from Ephesians chapter 4, this wonderful passage that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus about unity within the church and also how we treat our neighbors, even people who are outside of the church and aren't Christ followers, that we're going to be unified. And he he, uh, gives this wonderful phrase in Ephesians chapter 4, specifically verses 14 through 16. He says, we're going to speak the truth in what? In love. You remember We're going to speak the truth in love. And Paul says, this is the foundation. This is the ground floor of every godly relationship is speaking the truth in love. We're going to do it with a motive of unity. And in this, this is beautiful. Go back and read the passage again, Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Paul says, when we speak the truth in love to one another, we're going to grow up into Jesus. We're going to grow up into Christ. We're going to become more and more like Jesus in our relationships. And the truth is that many of us need to grow up in our relationships. We need maturity. And this is not a series about six steps to a better you or five ways to be a better person. That's not what this is at all. That's not what Paul says. Paul says we're not growing up into a better version of ourselves. We're growing up into Jesus. We're becoming more like Jesus. And that should be evidenced in the way that we treat one another in all of our relationships. But the foundation of that is speaking the truth in love. And out of that passage in Ephesians chapter 4, when we talk about confronting the offense and not condemning the person, Paul goes on to write about walking in the new life of Christ, that we're a new creation in Christ, that old things have passed away, that the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And he goes on to talk about how in every relationship, that newness of life should affect every relationship we have, especially the ones that can be sandpaper to us. Now, before we go to the final principle of sandpaper people from the scriptures, the fourth one and final one today. I want to say just another word about this principle of confronting the offense. And I want to give a word of caution to you. For those of you who have people in your life that have uh, maybe abused you or been destructive towards you, I want you to be very careful about that third principle. Because the third principle is built on those three questions that we asked. Go back and listen to it with really looking at our hearts and really evaluating, is this a person that I can listen to and learn from and trust? 
And for some of you, you don't have a sandpaper person that you're thinking about. The reality is they're a wood chipper. They're, they're, they're not sandpaper that's, that's shaping you and molding you and polishing you and smoothing out the rough edges. They're destructive. You ever used a wood chipper? You, you feed the branch or the wood into the wood chipper and what does it do? Shreds it. Mulches it. And there are some people, because of the fallen condition of this world and humanity, that, that are, are, will just mulch you. And, and guess what a, a wood chipper does at night? Do you think a wood chipper, after it has a long, day work, long day's work, you know, like this week, lots of trees that were, were chipping and mulching, do you think it sits at night and goes, oh, I just think about all those poor little limbs that I shredded today and made mulch, and I just feel, I just feel terrible about it. I just feel awful about that. Nope. Sleeps like a baby. Doesn't think a thing about it. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been deeply wounded. And it wasn't by a sandpaper person. It was a wood chipper. A very destructive person. There is no excuse for abuse. There's nothing that you have done or said to cause that abuse. And when it comes to this third principle, I want you to be very wise and careful that when you confront the offense that you're going to a person that's healthy enough to, as Jesus said, to have ears to hear with the goal of love and unity. There's some people that you need to practice the first two principles of seeing them as a person, broken as they are, flawed as they are, that is in need of God's redemption and his love. And that second principle of moving towards forgiving them to release your hearts, but you need to be very careful about confronting them, especially on your own. Are you with me? For those of you who are sitting here today or maybe watching online, if you found yourself in an abusive relationship, I hope you'll come and talk to me, that you'll come and talk to a member of our team. We want to walk with you. We want to help you as a church. You're not alone. Jesus sees you. Jesus loves you. And as a church family, we want to come around you and walk with you. Are you with me? Okay. Fourth principle, sandpaper people, commit to health. We're going to accept the person. We're going to forgive the hurt. When it's appropriate, we're going to confront the offense and not condemn the person. And then fourthly, finally in this series, we're going to commit to health. And this isn't just in our sandpaper relationships. In every relationship, we're going to commit to health and godliness. You can maintain health and godliness even in your difficult relationships. Let me say that again. Even in your frustrating, disappointing, confusing relationships, your sandpaper relationships, you can still maintain godliness, integrity, and health. Here's the bottom line today, the truth that I want you to take with you. A commitment to godly relationships is a commitment to godly choices. Back to what Dr. Cloud wrote in his book, Boundaries. I cannot control other people, but I am ridiculously in control of my relationship choices. Within the sovereignty of God, God has placed within me the volition to make choices. And I can choose to make choices based on God's truth and godliness, or on my truth, or on my feelings, or on somebody else's truth. But it's my choice. A commitment to godly relationships is a commitment today for each and every one of us from our heart to make godly 
choices. Our passage today, our foundational passage for this fourth principle is Proverbs 4, verse 23. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open there. If you're following on the app, it's already preloaded. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The foundational passage for this fourth principle of committing to health in our sandpaper people relationships and in all of our relationships. Solomon is writing to his children. Solomon's giving fatherly wisdom. And he writes these words in the fourth chapter, verse 23. This is how I learned it growing up. Above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We preach from the ESV here at New City. Here's how the ESV transliterates it. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Here's how the New Living Translation translates it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of of your life. Do you think this is important? Guard your heart above what? Everything. Above everything else in your life, above everything else you have going on, Solomon writes, guard your heart because out of it flow all the decisions of your life, including your relationship choices and decisions. They all orient and originate from your heart. And unhealthy relationships have a way of creeping past the gates of our heart into the innermost places where only God's truth belongs. And we begin to believe lies about ourselves and about other people. You may not believe that there's an evil one, but he believes in you. He's a liar and he always has been. And he has two main weapons, deceit and accusation. Deceit and accusation, those are the two main weapons of the accuser. And he desires to slither into your heart and cause you to believe a lie about yourself and other people and in all of your relationships. I have a friend that was sharing with me a story about being online and she was in a a Facebook group of of different folks who were talking about the lies that they believe about themselves and other people. What a topic. And that could go on and on and on, right? But here's what was different about this group. She said, as people would write lies that they tend to believe about themselves, that people speak over them, or or they tend to say about other people even, every time someone would type a lie onto the Facebook group, someone was coming on and putting God's truth under every single lie. Isn't that great? Every single lie that someone would put, this is what I believe. This is sometimes what I'm tempted to believe. This is sometimes what I believe. And every single one of them that was listed, someone was coming on and typing God's truth under every single one, a passage from the scriptures. And my friend said it was like a, like a superhero, was on Facebook, like a biblical action figure that was taking God's truth and just putting truth under every single lie. And I love that. It reminds me of what Jesus prayed for you. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? In John chapter 17, one of his prayers for you is captured. It's called the high priestly prayer. He prays not only for his disciples in that age, but for all time. And among other things, he he prays this, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, my prayer, Father, my prayer is not that you would take them. Who's them? followers of Jesus. My prayer is not that you would take them out of this world, but that you would, listen to these words, from Jesus to the Father for you, that you would protect them from the evil one. 
guard, protect. Catching the theme? That you would protect hearts from the evil one and the accusations and the deceit that he brings. He continues, verse 16, they are not of the world. Did you know you're not of this world? Your citizenship is not in this world if you're a Christ follower. Your citizenship belongs in heaven. You're just passing through this world. It's temporary. Jesus says they're not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. And then he prays this phrase, verse 17, John chapter 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Our culture struggles with that word, doesn't it? Truth. Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? We live in a culture that's awash in relativism. Can there really be an absolute truth? And Jesus defines what truth actually is. He says, yes, sanctify them in your truth, Father. And then he, then he follows with this phrase, your word is truth. Sanctify them in your truth, Father. Your word is truth. There is a truth that is absolute. There is a truth and a word that is eternal. There is a word that the Father has for each of your hearts. Your word is truth to each human heart. But the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. Because the power of God's truth is the power to change lives. It's the power of life itself. And so Jesus prays for each and every one of you that the Father would protect your heart from the evil lies that you believe about yourself and other people, especially in difficult relationships. And instead, that he would protect your heart with his truth and sanctify. The word sanctify means to make righteous, to make holy, to purify. That God would purify and make righteous your heart through his eternal truth. And the way we guard our hearts, Proverbs 4.23, is with the truth of God. I was watching this documentary on Discovery Channel. I love Discovery Channel. You love Discovery Channel? Just learn about all kinds of things. And I was learning about Secret Service agents. And when you think about Secret Service agents, you think about what? Like guarding the president, right? Protecting people, which is, they do that. But the main thing Secret Service agents do, which this documentary was talking about, was, is they, they take counterfeit money out of circulation. They're a department of the, the Treasury Department. They're a part of the Treasury Department. Their main job is to, 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 to take counterfeit currency out of circulation. And this is fascinating. It was talking about training young Secret Service agents. And they said the way that we train them to spot counterfeits is to learn the, the real thing. And for weeks, they just sit with the real thing. And they smell it, and they taste it, and they feel it, and they look at every single part of real money, and they learn exactly what it feels like. They, they learn what it looks like, every single detail about it, so that when they uh, see a counterfeit uh, um, dollar bill or whatever, they're able to identify it quickly. They, they know it smells different, it feels different, it looks different. The best way for us as believers to know a lie is to know the truth. You'll know the truth. And it'll set you free. Sanctify them by your truth, Jesus prays for us. Your word is truth. Now let's come back to Proverbs 4.23 for a second. Above all things, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. 
Above all things, protect your heart, guard your heart, because all the decisions of life and relationships flow from your heart. The Hebrew understanding of the heart, as Solomon would have written it here in Proverbs chapter 4, the Hebrew understanding of a heart was not like we think about it now. We think about the heart and we think about what? Feelings, emotions. But that was only part of it for a Hebrew. A Hebrew's understanding of the heart, our author today, Proverbs 4.23, understood the heart to be the center of your life. It was the center of your intellect, your will, your emotions, your volition. Everything came through the heart. This is why one chapter earlier in chapter 3, Solomon wrote, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. The word straight in the Hebrew can be translated obvious. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's so hard for us, isn't it? In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your paths obvious. He'll make them straight. The power of God's truth and orienting our hearts to God's truth. Every bit of it, our will, our emotions, it's of utmost importance. And so with fatherly wisdom, Solomon is saying to each of us, guard your heart because your heart's the centerpiece of your life. Be very careful about the truth that you believe and come back to God's truth and put it at the centerpiece of your heart. Your godly choices, which come from your heart, lead to godly relationships. Your healthy choices that you are ridiculously in charge of lead to healthy relationships. Even the difficult relationships can be healthy when you put proper boundaries in place. And speaking of boundaries, let's talk about the temple for a second. You say, Chris, what does the temple have to do with sandpaper people? A lot. The temple was the centerpiece of Jewish life. It was where the very presence of God dwelt among them, where they would worship and orient all of their life around the temple in Jerusalem. And did you know there were different levels to the temple? If you've ever studied the temple, you know this. There were different courts, there were different sections where different people were allowed who could only go so far and you had to purify yourself. And there were only certain times of the year that you could be in certain places. So just for simplicity, the outer courts of the temple that were also known as the court of the Gentiles, these were people, Gentiles being non-Jews, even people who weren't uh, Jews were allowed to come and participate at some level in the temple. They could converse, they could have relationships, they could do transactions at the outer regions of the temple. They were allowed to be a part of temple life, but only so far. Then if you were Jewish, you were allowed into the inner courts where you could experience life at that level. And then for some people, they were allowed at certain times of the year to go into holy places and offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel. And it was, it was an even, even deeper level of the temple. And then, then there was the holy of holies, the place where God's presence actually dwelt. And that was protected above everything else. And only certain people at certain times of the year could come into the holy of holies. And you say, Chris, again, what does this have to do with sandpaper people in my own heart? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that you are now the temple of God. Did you know that? As a follower of Christ, you're the temple of God. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17, he says, The temple of God is holy and you are it. 
You're the carrier of God's presence. The Holy Spirit himself dwells in you. You are the temple of God. The living stones built up to worship God and carry his presence all throughout the earth. And in the same way that the temple was guarded and segmented to make sure that it stayed pure and holy and righteous and set apart, sanctify them, Jesus said, in your truth, your word is truth. Purify them, guard them, put boundaries around their hearts. We should treat our hearts just like the Jews treated the temple. Because we are the temple of God. And yet we allow people to come all through our hearts and trample into all the places of our hearts and we never segment anybody out. We allow all kinds of people, even people who don't even believe in the one true God and believe in his word and his truth to come into the inner places of our heart and speak about who we are. How dare we? Your heart is the most valuable piece of real estate on the planet. And we allow some people who don't know God's truth and don't have a care for God's truth to come and to live there rent-free. And one of the reasons why we struggle with sandpaper people is because we place way too much value and identity on their words. They were never meant to come into the holy of holy places in our hearts. People have a place in your heart. Everybody could come to the temple. I'm not saying that you should never give your heart to anyone or, or any part of your heart. But pay careful attention to the temple and the temple of your heart, the temple of carrying the presence of God in your own heart and life. You should be very careful about who you allow at every single level of your heart. So, so, so we put the temple courts and all the segments of the temples and I overlaid it on a heart because you're the temple of God now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And you should have certain people in your life that certainly are allowed the, the outer courts of your heart. They have access to, you, to certain parts of who you are, but they don't speak into your identity. You're not listening to them for wisdom about your life and the most important decisions and choices that you have to make. Because remember, healthy choices and godly, or healthy relationships and godly relationships come from healthy and godly choices. These are people, many of them, court of the Gentiles who didn't even have a relationship with the one true God. But they were allowed access to the temple. And you should allow everyone access to a certain part of your heart to love them and encourage them and be in relationship with them. But there should be a stopping point where only people who love Jesus and love you are allowed. Remember, Jesus was in relationship with everyone with the crowds of people, he touched people, he had compassion on people, but, but even, even he had levels of relationships, didn't he? He had a relationship with the crowds and even with the broader disciples, but then he had the 12. And then from the, it didn't stop there, did it? He went from the 12 to what? To three, Peter, James, and John. But then he over and over and over again throughout the gospel said, I must be with my father. I've got to break away. I've got to go in prayer. I've got to be quiet because there's a place in my heart that only the Father can speak to. Remember, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father. There's a place in your heart that only the Father can speak to. The Holy of Holies, where only his presence, only his truth should be allowed. And I'm afraid too often as Christians, we've allowed all kinds of people to come into the Holy of Holies and they don't belong there. Only God's voice belongs there, that still small voice of truth. 
Remember when Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water. What voice does he hear? The Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What has Jesus done ministry-wise at that point in his life? At 30 years old, being baptized. What has he done that's documented ministry-wise? This is my beloved son. And I'm really glad about it. I love him. And I'm so pleased with him. Some of you, the truth that you need to hear that will change every single other relationship in your life is this simple truth. As a Christ follower, you need to hear these words from your heavenly father straight to the holy of holies in your heart. This is my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. That is your identity. And no one else gets to take that from you. And you shouldn't allow anybody else to speak into those holy of holy places. And again, I'm afraid too often we've allowed sandpaper people, difficult relationships to get into the holy places of our heart. And the reason why they become so frustrating to us is we've put way too much value on them. Learn how to set good, healthy boundaries with God's truth. You love everybody. Everyone has a place at some level in your heart. But you have a group of folks who love Jesus and love you that are closer. And then you have a small, even smaller group of people that really, really, really love Jesus and really, really know and love you. And they have a voice. And then you have a place in your heart that only the Father can speak to. And you allow him access to do so. And you go to his word constantly and you get his truth to do his will. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee, the psalmist said. I hide your word in my heart. I guard my heart. I put different boundaries in my heart so that I can protect the fire of God and the holy of holies of my heart. Anybody with me today? Commit to godliness. Commit to health in all of your relationships by committing yourself fresh and anew today to godly choices that come straight from God's word. The bottom line, a commitment to godly relationships is a commitment to godly choices. And godly choices come from God's truth. Hiding God's truth deep in your heart. What's down in the well of your heart then comes up in the bucket. In your actions, in your words, it just spills over from who you are. And you're not having to go out and get identity from other people outside. Your identity comes from the innermost places of who you are in Christ Jesus. Stick with me. This is so important. Don't allow anybody else access into other places of your heart where only God belongs. Let me say it a different way and I'll close. Guarding your heart with God's truth guards your relationships. Guarding your heart guards your relationships. Even the difficult ones, especially the difficult ones. A commitment to godly relationships is a commitment to godly 
choices. To Christ alone be the glory. We're going to finish the series today with a commitment. Not just about accepting people, not just forgiving the hurt and sometimes confronting the offense, but a commitment to godliness and health in all of our relationships. And here's what I'd love for you to do if this is in your heart, if this truly is your commitment today before God and each of us. If your commitment today as we finish this series is to godly choices that affect every other relationship, that's your commitment. God's truth in my heart, making choices in a godly manner. If that's your commitment as we finish today, I want you to stand to your feet as a sign of your commitment. I'm, I'm, I'm standing already. I'm going to make the commitment with you. If that's your heart, if that's your prayer, that you would stand to your feet as a sign of your commitment to godly choices and godly relationships at every single level. Let's pray together today. Father, you know our hearts more than anyone. You see us, you know us. Help us today to trust you, to trust you with all of our hearts. We bring them in front of you today. Help us to lean not on our own understanding. It's so difficult. We, we want to chase other people's understandings. We want to chase all kinds of things that the world says. But ultimately today, standing to our feet in commitment, we're trusting you and we're leaning not on our own understanding. And instead, we're acknowledging you in all of our ways. And we pray today according to your word, according to your promise, that you would make our paths straight, that you would make all of our relationships clear to us and obvious, the way forward, the next godly thing and choice in every relationship. Would you guard our hearts above everything else and would you guard our hearts with your truth? Give us the wisdom today to understand what you're speaking to each of us and now, Father, would you give us the faith to go and obey for your glory. And all God's people said together, amen.